All right. Good morning. Good morning, Jericho Road. Uh, my name is Sam, in case we haven't met. Uh, good to meet you guys. Uh, we're uh, continuing our series of location, location, location. Uh, you get to choose the place that you live. We've covered, uh, uh, are you going to live in the past or are you going to live in the present? Are you going to live in the positive or are you going to live in the negative? And today we're going to be talking about, are you choosing to live in the light or are you choosing to live in the dark? And the Bible has a lot to say about this. Now, uh, we all know that in life there's like good light and there's bad light, right? So uh, just like there's good dark and there's bad dark. Like good light is uh, going around at Christmas time and looking at all the lights on the houses. That's really good light, right? But like bad light is a tanning booth. Anyone ever been to a tanning booth? I went to a tanning booth one time in my life in high school, and it was like the weirdest thing. And I really shouldn't go to a tanning booth, in case you can't tell. Not a ton of melanin, and so it's really bad for you. I I got in there. Like uh, that thing causes cancer, I think, in like 45 seconds. You get in a tanning booth, and they they close a lid on you. And I was really freaky. I felt like a panini. Like I was getting cooked in there, and it was really uh, kind of scary. So that's like a bad light, right? There's good light, and there's bad light. Just like there's good darkness, like... You know, when you uh, walk on the beach with your girl and it's nice and dark. And that's kind of a good l- darkness, right? And then there's like, there's like uh, that romantic thing. And then there's bad darkness. That's like those noises in your house that you hear at night and you're like, oh, oh what's that? And you know it's probably nothing, but you actually assume that it's going to be an axe murderer in your house. And I don't know why there would be axe murderers in all of our houses whenever we hear the ni- the, those noises at night. But this has been true in my life. Whenever I hear noises at night, I get really scared. I know, true confession, right? Like, I don't look like a scaredy cat. I'm totally manly, right? I never get scared. When I was a kid, I did. Uh, I remember when I was a kid one time, like, hearing a bunch of noises in the house. And I was, like, freaking out, right? And so, um, like, my parents' room was too far away. So I ran over to my sister's room. She's younger than me. Uh, and, like, I run in there, and she's sleeping. I'm like, wait, did you hear that? And she's like, not awake. And she's like, what, what? You know, and I was like, did you hear all those noises? That was pretty scary, huh? And she's like, huh? Yeah, yeah, you're scared too? Wait, what? Yeah, I guess it was their noises. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll stay here so you don't get scared, okay? And then I like laid in her room and fell asleep in her room because I was scared, you know, but I woke her up and then I scared her probably. So, uh, so that, that's like bad darkness, right? That kind of thing. So when we're talking about like a biblical metaphor, which we are going to today, we're, we're really uh, talking about light being righteousness and uh, dark being wrongteousness, right? We're talking about light being God and dark being the devil. So light is a metaphor for all good things. That's like fun things, creative, exciting, full, wonderful, amazing. These are some ad- adjectives, right? Dope, bomb, tight, cool, nifty. Whatever words you use, that's what we're talking about, light. Uh, whatever's good is in the light. Soul safe, content. Peace, warmth, and goodness. And when we're talking about a biblical metaphor, whatever's in the dark are things uh, that are evil. And you're like, yeah, the darkness, man. No, not like that. Like, uh, like not even cool darkness. It's like bad darkness, like things like, like vomit and STDs. Like, that, this is not cool. It's never cool. Yeah, STDs. That never works out, right? So, like backstabbers and unfaithfulness and hatred, anger and bitterness, whatever's bad is in that dark metaphor. Horror, nightmare, Sadness, loneliness, hopelessness, loathing. That stuff belongs in the dark. So where do we choose to live? Because we get to choose. Like We decide where we're going to live in life, in the past or the present, the positive and negative, and we get to choose whether we're going to live in the light or we're going to live in the dark. If we're interested in living in the light, the first thing we have to consider is where does that come from? What is the source of the light? And again, if you've spent any time in in church, you probably can guess this one right away. 
The source of the light is Jesus, the source and bringer of that light to a dark world and dark souls. Uh, the book of John starts out really chronicling Jesus's like uh, before he came into the world. And then it talks about that Jesus is the light that brings life. Uh, the Apostle John writes it this way. In him, the him is Jesus. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. So the first thing we see is that Jesus is the source of the light. The light comes from, the, from Jesus. He's the originator of it. And the light always wins. The darkness cannot overcome light. That's how light works. When the light is present, the, the, the dark has to flee from it. Now, I know sometimes in our lives it may not seem like that moment to moment, like this kind of verse, that the light is going to win, that the light overcomes. And because sometimes we see things in, in this world that's darkness. Maybe we saw it in the last couple of weeks with some of the darkness in people's hearts towards one another. We saw that kind of stuff. And it seems like, why is God not victorious here? But God says he will overcome. The darkness cannot overcome the light, even if by moment by moment it seems that way. John continues recording later on. He writes this uh, about Jesus, uh, quoting him. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. So the first thing we see that, that the, the light always overcomes. The next thing we see is that when the light comes, it allows people to not remain in the darkness. See, with light here, you don't have to be sitting in darkness. Light keeps a person from staying in darkness. I know this is going to seem really obvious, but how do you get rid of darkness? You you turn on the light. (laughs) Profound, right? Tweet that, right? (laughs) Yeah, that church is dumb, right? How do you get rid of the light? How do you get rid of the darkness? You turn on a light. But I don't know if we always equate it metaphorically when we're talking about the Bible. You want to avoid darkness, you just turn on the light. You just come into the light. You just, you just come near to Jesus. But some of us, I think we're terrified of the light. I was going to say like cockroaches, but then that makes you, us cockroaches, right? But, but some of us, we're really terrified of the light. What happens if you turn on the light? And you've, have you ever had cockroaches in your house? I wasn't always as rich as I am, so we used to have cockroaches in our house. You turn on the light, those things go, right? They scatter fast. Why? They don't like the, the, the light. The light's going to bring them death, right? They're going to get squashed. <laughs> and some of us, were a little, little bit like cockroaches. We're kind of scared of light. Maybe because we've been in the dark so long, we can't imagine actually living in the light. We can't imagine what that would look like if, if I was always constantly with God and in the light. What would that look like? How would that change my life? I'm so used to the darkness that I've been convinced that this is where I belong. I mean, maybe some of us have have decided or you know people that they've been convinced that they should be in the dark, that maybe that's what's best for them. They've bought into the lies. So the devil has kidnapped and raped and abused them, and yet we obey him and we stay in the dark when he says, you stay here. Even though the light's available, some, for some reason, some of us, we just stay in the darkness. Like if you find yourself here, I mean, right now, like, maybe this doesn't make sense to you, and that's okay. That's really great if it doesn't make sense right now. But if you find yourself pl- at this place, you've got to take the first step by asking God to open your eyes to the enemy's lies of those dark areas in your life that you think it's okay to be in, that you've decided that this is just the way it's going to be. 
that I'm going to remain in this darkness. So maybe you said, well, not in these four areas. God can have those. But in this one area, I'm going to remain in darkness. And you've decided that's kind of who you are and where you're going to be. The first thing I would say is you've got to ask God, like, God, would you open my eyes to this? Because I think I've bought into some of the enemy's lies that I belong in this darkness or this dark peace belongs in me or that's part of who I am. But God doesn't say that about you. God will bring light and life into your life. Look, I don't have to convince anyone of this point, whether you're a believer or not. If you're in darkness, you know it. It's obvious. Before I was a believer, I knew I was in darkness. No one had to tell me. I absolutely knew that what was inside of me was no good, rotten, and dark. The problem was I thought that that was the way it was supposed to be. I thought that that's all I was. But the Bible says clearly that is not who you are, and that's not where you should be. So if you are in this place, you'll feel it when you're in bed at night. You'll know uh, that's you when you contemplate your life and you think about it. No proof needed. You know it. But maybe you don't want to stay there. So maybe you started to pray, and maybe even today, right now, you're like, yeah, there's areas of darkness. I don't want that in my life anymore. How do I get out of those kind of things? How do I get rid of that kind of stuff? How do I transition out of the dark and get into the light? So we know that the light overcomes, and we know that we shouldn't be sitting in it and remaining in the darkness. So how do I get out of it? Well, luckily, the Bible talks about it. In the same book, John, good book on light. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see a progression. He says, I I am the source of the light. If you don't want to remain in the light, come with me. And how do you do it? You do it by starting to follow me. So you don't sit there any longer in the dark and just hope that something happens. He says, you come follow me because I am the light. It begins with a decision to follow Jesus. Remember our premise over the series is that we get to choose where we live. And so if you have darkness in your life and you're not wanting to be there, then you get to choose, hey, I'm going to walk out of this. And the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to find Jesus and I'm going to follow after Jesus. And as I follow after Jesus, then things change. A journey of a thousand miles begins with that first step to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. When you're walking in the light or when you're with the light, we are by definition then not in the darkness any longer. You want to get rid of your darkness? You want, to, you want to move away from those things? Start to follow after Jesus. Start to look, where's Jesus? I'm going to follow him. Wherever he's going, I'm going. Whatever he's doing, I'm doing. That's where I want to be because I don't want the darkness in my life. Jesus is that light, and we get to choose if we're going to follow after him or not. This is an active choice. It's not going to come magically upon you. You're not going to be sitting there like in your darkness and say, like, oh, all of a sudden Jesus yanks you out of it and forces you to go into the light. Now, occasionally, he did that to Apostle Paul. He kicked him off his donkey by showing up in the burst of life and he, light, and he fell off his donkey. And that is very rare, and so it could happen. But what's a likely scenario is that you... Figure out that you're tired of sitting in the darkness and you say, I want to follow the light. I'm going to choose where I live because location matters. Location matters in our life, how we view things, how we go about things. And as we begin to follow him and we walk in his light, then something miraculous and supernatural is going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come and help you as you try to struggle on. Like At first, you're like, you don't even know how. You're like, oh, I want to follow. Uh, and then God will come help you even though you're weak. It's okay. Even if you fall back, God will help drag you back out of there if you're willing and you're interested in following Him. The longer we walk in the light, the more we become like the light. 
The longer I've followed Jesus, the more and more I'm like him. The less and less the darkness is near. The less and less areas. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect yet, but the darkness used to be this, and then it was this, and then it's shrinking, and now we're down to here, and I, and I can't wait to be dead because then I get to be perfect, and all the darkness will be gone. But the more we walk in the light, the more we become like the light. Uh, Paul writes it this way. He says, for at one time, you guys, you actually were darkness. But now you're not that way. You are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. That would look like this. The fruit of the light would be found in things that are good, right, and true. And try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Like don't, don't take any part anymore of the unfruitful works of darkness. But instead, expose that stuff and be done with it. So as you follow the light, if we make a decision, that's where I want to live... A couple of things happen. The first thing is your life starts to change. You start to live differently. You start to live rightly or righteously. Now, you don't even have to manufacture this. Like, you don't, I don't even have to tell you ever to stop sinning. Maybe some of you have a sin. I don't even want to tell you to stop sinning. What I want to tell you to do is get nearer to Jesus and your sinning falls away. Like, it's not about you just manufacturing, I'm going to do this, I have willpower, I'm strong, I'm, I got this, I'm going to not sin. Then it's just all your work. But God says, you want to you get rid of that darkness? Just come into the light. Just come near Jesus and it's going to fall away. You don't even have to manufacture it. It's like if, if Jesus was bodily here, like actually like, like bodily here. Now, I think Jesus is actually here. I think he's present with us. He is alive, and I think that you can walk with him. But if he was physically body, bodily here, and we were sitting at home tonight, um, and Game of Thrones came on, and it was sex rape scene, you don't have to think about, should I turn this off, right? <laughs> like Jesus is sitting next to you. You're like, at least fast forward, right? <laughs> Maybe I'd probably turn it off. Now, I, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but uh, if I did, well, I wouldn't watch it with Jesus anyway, like, right? If Jesus was physically there, like, that would make not sinning pretty easy, right? If Jesus is physically there and you have a pornography addiction and, and he's sitting by you on the computer, you're not going to whatever www.porn, whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but you're not going to that thing, right, if he's physically sitting with you. And so that's kind of the way it works actually too. The nearer you get to Jesus, the, the less likely you are to sin, but not just because you don't want to and you manufacture it and you cause this thing. Because you're just near Jesus and, and it's not appealing anymore. And, you, and you're not going to want to be in that kind of thing. Choosing uh, to live in the light versus living in the dark, it'll yield a different result simply by the location you choose. Right? You choose to live in Compton by the gangs and probably your kids are going to be gangs and druggies. Like that, that's just a choice in life, right? If you, not always, there's some amazing people from Compton. And not to disparage Compton, in any way, shape, or form, but, but where we choose to live in life simply by that location affects things, and it's true internally too. When we choose to live with Jesus, it affects our righteousness. It affects what we think about it. It affects uh, the good that comes out of us. It affects the amount of love we have for people. It affects things. So that's the first thing. And the second result uh, that comes uh, when we walk in the light is it changes relationships. And I think this is really important because the, really the world is really about relationships. First, our relationship with God and then our relationship with people. Nothing else really matters at the end of the day. I mean, when people are on their dying uh, deathbed, their boat doesn't come and visit them, 
right? Like their, their summer home doesn't, like, hey, missing you, you haven't visited in a bit, right? When someone's on their deathbed, they're never going to say, like, man, I wish I had a second boat right now. They'll say, I wish my kids were here. I wish I hadn't said those things to my wife. I wish that it's all going to be relationship stuff. And so as we walk in the light, it affects our relationships. And there's two types of relationships that we as believers have. We have, as we walk in the light, we have relationships with other Christians and we have relationships with non-Christians. And walking in the light affects our relationship to other believers. The Bible has a lot to say about this. Now, the Bible normally just calls them brothers. And we're going to say brothers is inclusive for brothers and sisters. Sort of like when we say mankind, we don't mean just men. We mean men and women. And the Bible tends to use it this way as well. And so we're going to see uh, when we're reading our Bible, when it talks about loving brothers and, and sisters. Now, if you're reading a new NIV, they go ahead and throw sisters in there, even though uh, it's not in the Greek, but it's implied. Anyway, so here we go. Uh, in 1 John uh, chapter 2, uh, John writes this about people walking in the light in relation to the, their brothers and sisters in Christ. So in relation to other believers. Whoever says he's in the light... And he hates his brother. He's still in the darkness. Now, uh, you say, well, I don't have a lot of hate. What we're talking about is within believers here. We'll deal with non-believers in a second. We're talking about people at church, <laughs> right? Because that's where we mostly interact. And maybe you have your, your work as a Christian work, maybe. And so it might be there, too. But if you have hate towards some other believers... And that doesn't belong in the light. That is actually darkness. Hate for brothers belongs in the realm of darkness, not in the light. And if you have hate for a Christian brother or sister, then you have not fully begun to walk in the light. Because if you hate your brother who's right here and loves Jesus also, how can you love your neighbor? And then how could you love your enemy if you can't even love someone who confesses Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? If you have any sense of this towards any other believer, you've got to do something about it. You can't just be okay with it. Take some steps. The first thing you want to do is you want to pray about it. Pray for them and pray for yourself. Say, God, I have this hate towards this person. I just can't stand them. Ah, they've always been this, uh, or maybe it's a past person, or maybe it's present. I know they're a believer, but I can't stand them. If you have that kind of thing, you've got to start to pray about it. And then you've got to ask God to open your heart so that you could love that person. Not just tolerate them. Not just get by, but actually love them. And then you've got to forgive them because probably your hatred stems in something that you haven't forgiven. And the last thing you want to do is you've got to go and talk with them. Hold on. You've got to talk with them only if you can talk to them in love. If you can't talk to them in love, then don't approach them. That is not going to be the right situation for sure. Okay, so if you have hatred towards any person that calls themselves a believer, you've got to deal with it. First through prayer, through forgiveness, through asking God to love, and then approach them and talk to them. But only if you can approach them in love. If you can't approach them in love, so if you have some hate towards me and you can't come to me with love, then don't approach me. (laughs) It's not going to work out good for either of our spiritual lives. It's not the right time. Continue to pray till you can come to love. And when you come at me with love because you love me and you speak in love, man, there's going to be some healing then. Now, I hope none of you have hate. If you do, like, 
I actually would be willing to hear about it. Like, I don't want to leave that as, a, as your pastor. So that's the hate side. But, but what about the love side? <laughs> this is much better. A verse later, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there's no cause for stumbling. So he says, like, if you got some, if you got some hate, deal with that. But really what it should be is we should be loving our brothers and sisters. Light walkers love their brothers. Of course, like, the Bible has all Christians in mind, but we can't visit all Christians on the planet, right? Where is our community of Christians? Where's our, our brother circle? How, how big is that? Right here, right? It's not that large. Like, if you've been coming to our church for more than about three weeks, then probably this is your brother and sister circle. This is really it. That's why we've named our small group circles, in fact, because this is the group of people that you are responsible for loving and being loved by. Many of you, I think, do this verse really well already. I was just talking to someone before service, and they were like, yeah, we were golfing with some friends in 100-degree weather. Like, fantastic. That's so great. Like, I'm glad. Thanks for not inviting me. Actually, thanks for not inviting me because... I suck at golf, and I hate the heat. So praise God that you guys had fun and did that. The, t- the many times I hear about you guys, uh, like people will be hanging out and eating dinner together. That's so cool. Like some of you guys go on vacation together. That's like ridiculous. That is a lot of brotherly love where, where you're like, I'm going to go get in a car and then go to a place with you, and then we're going to spend the week together or like three days together. That's incredible brotherly love. And so I always want to acknowledge it. Sometimes in church we get like, change, change, change these things, and you're like, gosh, I never do anything right. But I think as I watch uh, our church, this is one of the things that we do really well. And you guys, and there's room for growth, of course, but I think that we, we I, I watch your relationships, and it is really cool. And I, I love when you guys are hanging out. I love when, like, I'm trying to leave, and you guys are going to Boba later, right? And like, like, I'm going home, and you're like, no, we're going to go hang out, and then we're going to do this and this. That is so cool. That's exactly what the Bible has in mind, where you love people and receive love for them. This is the place where we love our brothers. Now, there's going to be other things in just a minute, so there's going to be something to do, but, but God wants you to love the people that are right here. God wants you to purposely, intentionally connect to those people that are in this room. I mean, Chinese Christians are believers too, and Afghanistan Christians, there may be some if we could find them, um, but we can't really connect to them, so we don't have the opportunity to really show and be loved by them. But here is the group that we're involved with. I say continue to keep it up. If you're not involved in one of our circles, now you're doing it informally, that's really cool too, but if you're looking for a formal way to do it, we call our small group circles. And if you're not currently in one of those, uh, and you looked on the list online, and you said, ah, they didn't really interest me, and that's okay. If none of them appeal to you, start your own. Say, I'm going to purpose to meet with these people. Where did our small groups come from? The, the Wednesday night men's lunch the dinner group came from these guys that were meeting every Wednesday for dinner. And then, boom, it's a small group now, right? Because they were meeting and they were praying together. And that's exactly what God has in mind when we're talking about this passage. Uh, you could come to class today. Find out if you're interested in starting your own small group. That'd be a really cool idea. We're going to be covering that in class. Like maybe you like to watch the movies and you just want a couple of Christians to watch movies with. And then, you know, maybe every couple of weeks you watch a movie and then you go dialogue about it and have some yogurt land. I'm in. Call me up. I'm interested in joining. Maybe you want to have a book nerds club. I'm out. <laughs> Not interested in that. And eat some salad. Then you can go do that. Uh, and I'll bless you in prayer. 
maybe a hiking circle. Maybe you get a, a couple people that want to go hiking. I'm out. <laughs> but awesome. Like maybe, like why, why don't you have a, like a Costco like small group where, because like you split the membership for Costco and you go every two weeks together and you hang out and you get like a dollar pizza and like a, a, like a dollar churro, of course, and you also get the dollar ice cream and you know you can't eat them all, but you get them anyway because they're only a dollar. Like, fantastic. I'm in again, right? So I got a Costco membership. Who wants a Costco circle? I'm involved. I love it. Let's meet up, you know? Like, those are fantastic ideas. Why not do those kind of things? And that's what we want people to do. We want to group up and be able to love and love one another. So imagine if we uh, each had, uh, were able to bless three or four people, connect to three or four people. That's what the Bible's talking about. Now, we can't maybe do it with everyone. That's okay. It's a, there's no shame. It's not bad. Oh, they went to dinner and they didn't invite all of us. Well, we can't invite all of us. That's not a small group. That's a big group. Right? That's church, right? We do that on Sunday. Imagine we had, each had four cans of Stilly String and we sprayed four of our friends right now, psh, 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 like across the room. What would that look like? It would look like a big mess, right? But it would be a huge web of Stilly String. And I think that if we can draw that mental picture, that's what God wants us to do as a church. Maybe we can't love every single person all the time. But I say, I really connect and love that person. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless her. And, we, and then as that goes like this, it's this massive web of brotherly and sisterly love. And that's what I think the Bible is talking about. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we're going to have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, will purify us from all sin. See, choosing to live in the light means that we're going to have some deep connections, some cool community, and that's going to be forged through Jesus. It'll be different than just having a a book club that's not Christian because it's rooted in Jesus and his forgiveness of our sins. We get to fellowship with other people as a church. You know that this is really exciting? At this church, we actually call that loving others. It's in our mission state. Love God and love others. That's our mission statement. That's like half of what we're doing is loving others. And this is that, loving others. And I said there was a, a second category of people, though. We actually have to love non-Christians. So when we walk in the light, it changes our relationship with non-believers. Uh, Acts, uh, uh, Dr. Luke writes it this way. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the furthest corners of the earth. So by starting to walk in the light and choosing to live there, and that's the location I'm going to be, it changes my relationship with believers, and it changes my relationship with non-believers. I now have a purpose for talking with non-believers. And the purpose is that I get to share with them who Jesus is. I get to share with them about the light. And it's cool because we're all longing for purpose in life. You want to find purpose? Here it is. Your purpose is to shine the light wherever you are. You don't need to even travel to a foreign country. Right where you are is where you shine your light. Look, if I have a light and I walk into this room, then I brought the uh, the light into this room. If I go into a different room, then I'm bringing the light into that room. And that's exactly what evangelism is. That's what mission is. It's not about you figuring out how to fly to a foreign country. It's about you taking your light, and whatever room you walk into, there you bring the light. You go to work, that's where you're bringing your light. You go with your family, that's where you bring your light. You go into soccer practice and there's like other parents sitting there for two hours because you don't want to leave your kid because it makes you look like a bad parent. We live our kids at swimming, so we're bad parents, right? If you don't want you leave them, like that's, you're bringing your light to that soccer field, to the edge of that, that practice field. 
And then you're doing missions. And this is exactly the meaning and the purpose that God is asking us to do as we walk in the light. He says, now, once you are in the light, you need to be a reflection of that light to those people who don't know me. We walk in the light for us, but we also walk in the light for other people so that they can meet Jesus through our words and through our actions. I mean, we get to be a part of the salvation plan for people. I mean, that is so cool. And terrifying. God says, you know what? I'm going to trust my salvation plan to Ryan. Oh, holy beep, right? Like Ryan's in charge of the salvation plan? Yes. You're in charge of the salvation plan? Yes. God didn't pick other people. He picked you. You're walking in the light. Now you're, this is your purpose. God has put this into your hands. Here's how Matthew writes it. Uh, Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everybody in the house, like I was just saying. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Walking in the light allows us to love people around us who don't know Jesus. Now let this statement sting. I'm going to say something and it's going to sting a little bit. Okay, let it sting. Don't dodge it. Don't make an excuse. Don't defend yourself, okay? <laughs> I just warned you. So warning, stinging coming. If you are not doing this, then you are not following Jesus rightly. This passage is not to Pastor Sam. The you here is a you plural that doesn't have your pastor in mind. Jesus isn't talking to himself, and this is not a pastoral passage. He's talking to people who follow him. He's talking to believers who are walking in the light. You need to be letting your light shine so that people can glorify God, so that they can meet God. If you are not doing this, then you are not rightly walking with God. So I'm not doing it. No judgment. I love you. God loves you. But this is a clear word of his scripture. If you're not letting your light shine so that non-believers see it and they're like, dang, that God guy, he's something because look at the work of this person. The Bible isn't asking you to display your religion. The Bible is asking you to display your light. That light is a life to the dying world. It's not me here that's in mind. It's you. And me as part of the you-ness. Because I'm not at your work. I don't go to your meetings. I don't go to your kids' sports stuff, like practices. If you invite me to the game, I'd love to see them. I don't uh, sit in your home with your kids. When you're at class, I don't sit by those same people. Like, it's not my job to bring the light to those people. I'm not there. Every day we have opportunity to share the light, whether we're on the bleachers or at a party or that sucker got stuck to us on the plane. Hey, friend, you can't escape. (laughs) Every day we have opportunity. Once we've encountered the true light and we've decided to follow him, then it's up to us to start to share that light with other people. This is God's plan A for reaching the world. This is God's plan B for reaching the world. You are God's plan. (laughs) There's no plan B, folks. If you don't do this, it don't get done. 
If you sitting by that person on the plane don't share with them, there's no one else going to share with them. They're stuck next to you. There's only two spots. It's you or the guy next to them if they're in the middle. It's our responsibility. Here at this church, you know what we call this? Loving others. It's part of our mission statement. Love God and love others. God wants us to love believers. Yep, do an awesome job. And God wants us to love non-believers and share our light with Him. Like, I have a friend. His name is Jason Song. Uh, he's really fantastic at this. I mean, I think even better than I am. Like, I get a lot of chance to share Jesus with people just by nature of my position. They hear I'm a pastor, and then they're like, oh, spiritual talk time. You know, like... But uh, my friend Jason, he uh, works at a, just a regular company that does dental uh, implant stuff, I think, something like that. Like, I don't know what he does. But uh, uh, he is such a good dude, shares the light all the time with people, has a great attitude when he comes to, to work. He blesses his family. When they, people meet his family, they're like, wow, they're really nice. And he's nice to his wife, and he's nice at work, and he works hard, and he doesn't lie. And he never steals. And when he says he's going to get the job done, it gets done. And uh, his Jewish boss eventually asked him, like, why, why do you do all that kind of stuff? And he said, it's Jesus. That's why. And his boss said, no, no, I don't want the religious answer. What's the real reason? And he said, the real reason is Jesus. He said, you don't pay me enough to not. You know, like, <laughs> it's not the pay. The real actual reason is Jesus. And the Jewish manager's like, okay, whatever. And then later on comes back and asks him again. And they've had several conversations about it because Jason was willing to just shine his light. Now, he can't go up to his boss and say, you need the Lord or you're going to hell. Like, there goes your job, right? Bye-bye, you just got fired. And that isn't what the Bible is trying to do. It doesn't tell you to display your religion. It tells you to display your light. And you share that with your, at your bosses, at your meetings, at your work, wherever you are. You share light. That's what God's calling to do with believers and non-believers alike. Choosing to live in the light allows us to have fellowship with Jesus since He is the light. It allows us to live righteously and we change inside, become good, right? It allows us to have deep, intimate connections with the community of believers. And it allows us purpose as we get to be part of God's plan A for reaching the lost. And we're going to finish this series next week. Pastor Jimmy is going to actually be sharing with us. And he's going to be talking about, uh, are you choosing to live for heaven or are you choosing to live for hell? And so um, this is his first married man sermon. So I expect it to be a really big boy sermon this, this coming time. And uh, I'm really excited for that. If you wouldn't mind like praying for him and uh, really getting excited for next week. Um, let's finish this uh, together by praying. Uh, I'd like us to walk together in, in the light. I'll tell you, that's, that's an incredible blessing, and what a joy it is. So would you join me in rejoicing over that together, that God would allow us to walk in His light and be part of His purpose? And we're going we're gonna to pray, and then we're going to respond to Him in song. Father, I, I just thank you, God, that you would... That, like, God, I know we're not worth it. Like, I know like, I'm not worth it, God. I know I'm not worth you coming and dying for. I know I'm not worth you coming to get. But you, you say that I am, and so I'm going to say, okay... And God, then you let me be part of your plan to bless people, like believers and non-believers. And and then again, I I say, I'm not worth it, God, but you say I am. And I know the same sort of conversation is in the minds of our friends all here today. And I pray that they would hear clearly you saying that they're worth it, that they're valuable, and as they walk in the light, they get to share that light with people. I pray a blessing over our friends. As we come and think about this and 
want to respond back to you in worship for whatever you've been saying to us this, this morning. And thank you, God. Thank you that you are the light. If nothing else, we could just grab onto that. God, I want to choose to live in the light.